direct message. I am fresh off the plane from the swamp. That's right, I spent 24 hours in DC. I went to the White House Hanukkah party yesterday. I was outside the West Wing. I was in the White House. I took pictures. I ate the White House sushi. Yeah, there's White House sushi. And, uh, and had, had a good time. Uh, I posted a little video yesterday, if you didn't see it, I did a little wandering around DC video, selfie style, with my uh, bodyguard slash accountant slash agent, uh, Kyle Kashuv, you guys know Kyle. And uh, it, it's very bizarre. If you haven't seen the video, just watch it. It's just a couple minutes long, wandering around DC. DC is an absolute ghost town. It is seriously weird. We did not see humans. I mean, a couple of homeless people, you know, wandering around and, and some trash in different places, but there were basically no humans anywhere in DC. At the White House, there were some humans and, and I stayed at the Trump Hotel, there were some people there, but, but that was about it. It was, it was really weird and, and kind of depressing and I suppose a sign of the times. I mean, I absolutely love DC. I love the history of D DC. I love going to the monuments. I love going to the museums. I love walking around the mall, like just the, the power of it. The Everything's huge. The buildings are massive. I'm sure most of you, at least from uh, those of you that who are American have been there, um, but if you haven't been there, go. I mean, unfortunately, everything's kind of closed right now, so you may want to wait a little bit. But it was, you know, kind of brisk and cold and gray as DC can be this time of year. And it was just depressing. No tourists, no people, everything closed. It was hard to find a place to go to lunch. And actually we did, we did this little video and the only humans that I saw, we saw three guys and they happened, they happened to know me. They happened to be fans of the show. They were the only three people that we saw as we were wandering around. It was, it was really bizarre. Uh, the, the party was great though and it was really cool obviously to, to be at the White House. And uh, if, you, if you haven't seen the video uh, from yesterday, take a look at that. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch to talk about today and I just wanna say one thing before we get into it. Uh, I was really feeling in, in the day, and even leading up to the day, like I am really, in case it's not obvious to you guys at this point, I am, I am really ready to fight. I am really ready to fight. There, there are so many bad trends happening right now from the confusion over the election to the endless lockdowns to the fact that our mainstream media has just failed us at every front every front there is. Like there's just nothing they haven't failed us on. I, I just want you guys to know I am absolutely ready to fight. And, and part of that comes not just because it's kind of within me right now and I guess my whole life kind of led up to this. So, so here we are, whether I like it or not. Um, but also the amount of messages I'm getting from you guys and the amount of people that I met at the, at the party yesterday and at the hotel, people coming up to me just saying that I had something to do with their awakening or I'm fighting because they can't because they don't want to lose their job and everything else. And it's like, we all just need like a dose of bravery right now. Wouldn't that be something if instead of getting injected with a vaccine, all we just need is an injection of bravery because I kind of think that's where we're at. Uh, before I get into everything else real quick, I also bumped into Judge Janine uh, at the hotel. Believe it or not, I'd never met her. I do her show all the time, but we had actually never met in person. So it was nice to see her there. And then at the hotel, I bumped into Sydney Powell and we chatted for just a minute and I asked her if she's feeling good about everything and if she really believes that things are gonna happen and all that, and, and she does. So as I've said from beat one, it's not just what she believes or what she says, it'll ultimately be about what she can prove in court. And you know, that's, uh, that remains to be seen and that will sort of get us into story number one. Uh, but before we do that, guys, I wanna talk to you 
about GlintPay, because as you know, you can use your GlintPay card to buy and sell gold. You can not only do that, but you can use your GlintPay card, which also acts as a MasterCard, to make transactions. So you can buy a cup of coffee, you can buy clothes, whatever it is that you buy. Do you buy stuff these days? Uh, whatever it is, toilet paper or paper towels, you can buy with your GlintPay card, and using the app, you can actually choose whether you're gonna pay in gold or in US dollars. So it acts like a regular MasterCard in that way. It's a pretty beautiful thing. Uh, guys, the Glint Pay card is issued by Sutton Bank, which is a member of the FDIC, pursuant to the license from MasterCard International. It's free to sign up, so go to glintpay.com slash Ruben for more info and to start purchasing gold today. That's glintpay.com slash Ruben to get your gold today. And now back to me. All right, so this is the story. This is the story. We're doing four stories today because there's obviously a bunch going on, but this is the story. If you only hear one story today, whether it's from me or somebody else, this is the thing you gotta pay attention to. Um, and it has a little bit to do with what we do right here. So yesterday, as I was, uh, I was waiting for Kyle at the, at the hotel and I had just bumped into Judge Janine, I open up my email and I have an email from our contact at YouTube. Now for years, I didn't have a contact at YouTube. Uh, now we have a contact at YouTube. Coco, I'll give you a little shout out, who I, who I really like. I think she's a great gal and she's helped us uh, deal with some of the, non, the general nonsense at YouTube. Um, but I got an email from, from Coco that obviously went out to all sorts of creators um, about election fraud content and what YouTube will be censoring. So it's a long email. I'm just gonna read uh, two parts of it directly from uh, YouTube. This is the exact email that I got. Yesterday, starting today, we will remove new content uploaded on or after December 9th, 2020, alleging that widespread fraud or errors changed the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. For example, we will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won the election as a result of widespread software glitches or counting errors. It goes on to say, if your content is impacted, you will receive automated emails from our system regarding this content. As we ramp up our enforcement, we'll, like, we'll initially remove viola, violative videos without giving a strike. We will begin issuing strikes for new content uploaded after Inauguration Day, January 20th, 21. Um, man. There is a lot there, and that directly affects everything that I do. I think it probably affects our ability as human beings to communicate in an open and honest way. And there's just so much to talk about, I don't even know where to start. So I'll start with, before we even get into what's going on now, uh, I would like you to do a quick search about Russiagate on YouTube, about Russia or Ukraine uh, infecting our 2016 ele election, quotes from uh, Hillary Clinton saying it was an illegitimate election, Nancy Pelosi saying the same thing, all of the Democrats running around, uh, Swalwell, who it's now turned out, Eric Swalwell, it's now turned out he was sleeping with a Chinese spy, him talking about how Donald Trump Jr. is a Russian asset. The amount of misinformation on YouTube is extraordinary. It's actually unquantifiable. There's probably no way that even a machine could count the amount of misinformation that's on this website, putting aside the controlled misinformation that is our mainstream media. The idea that YouTube is now deciding, okay, this issue about the 2020 election, while we have lawsuits working through the system right now, which I'll talk about in a moment, now if you even say I'm not saying it right now, by the way, YouTube, if you're watching, I'm not saying there was widespread fraud. I'm saying that if you say there was widespread fraud, that they're gonna, they're gonna harm your channel. 
meaning they're gonna uh, either take down your videos, you're gonna get an email, and then eventually you get a strike, and if you get three strikes, you're basically out, they can delete your channel, they can demonetize you, and the rest of it. So it is only by the grace of the YouTube gods that any of us are here, I understand that, and they are a private company to some extent, although they obviously have a lot of connections with the government, and YouTube, in essence, is the new public square. But the idea that they're saying, oh, you know, you can watch, there's all sorts of alien conspiracies, there's all sorts of Nazi conspiracies, there's all sorts of insane, psychotic lunacy on this here YouTube.com. But this is the thing that's starting today, it's literally starting today, we will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won as a result of widespread software glitches or counter errors. So I guess you could say he won in other ways. So it's, you can't say that it was widespread software that did it, or, or counting errors. I mean, that just seems very odd. Like there's things working through the courts right now, but even if you said it, even if you said it, Donald Trump, and I'm not saying it, but even if you said it, that Donald Trump won by counting errors, and then you showed some of the videos that we've showed, some of the confusing things happening out of Georgia, uh, some of the things that are being alleged in the courts right now about double voting and the rest of it, why wouldn't that be left to stand? And by the way, they can put warnings on things, right? They've been putting warnings on a lot of the YouTube videos about the results of the election, and Trump, every time he tweets, has a warning about something. But now they're saying we could actually crush you and your livelihood. And I would say, guys, basically we have, we have a giant superstructure that in essence now exists over the United States government, something that our founders could have never imagined. Our founders said that the state, the government will not infringe on your ability to speak freely, right? That's the, in essence what the First Amendment is. But they couldn't imagine that companies, that corporations could become so large that it wouldn't matter whether the government was coming for me. In other words, you could say whatever you want about the election, Donald Trump's not coming for you. You can, every time Donald Trump says something, a, a gajillion blue check people, journalists, jump on there and tell him he's gonna end up in jail and he should rot in hell and everything else. Donald Trump doesn't come for everybody. I suspect it'll be a little different uh, if the left comes to power. But the point is that the fear around free speech as I've been saying for years, isn't that the government is coming per se, that's always something to worry about, but the fear now is that these giant corporations will tell us what is and isn't true. And also let's remember, two or three weeks before the election, this is a little insider baseball, but it's important to understand how these things happen. Two or three weeks before the election, Twitter changed their retweet policy. So it used to be you could just tap the retweet button and it would get sent out to all your followers. Then they changed it so you had to tap it, it would take you to another screen and you had to tap it again. No one was asking them to do that, but clearly there was discussions going, how are we gonna control the speed that information gets out there? So they changed that. I said something about it, but very few people did. Then in the subsequent weeks after the election, every time Donald Trump tweets, they say the elect, this information is disputed. Now they never say it about Joe Biden. Joe Biden can say I'm the president-elect. They don't say it's disputed, but, but it is disputed, right? It's disputed because the president of the United States is disputing it. So <laughs> who's in charge of the disputation? There's a word for you. Um, so that's a little something. And now YouTube is coming in saying, if you even talk about this, if you just talk about any of this stuff, we're, we're gonna take you out. So uh, by the way, this is why I started Locals.com. All, all of my stuff is free, uh, free of censorship and, and free of manipulation at rubenreport.com. Uh, you pay what you want to get in there in essence and you get all my stuff ad free. And it, it was my little way of, of fighting the, the big tech monster. I wanna show you uh, two tweets from Tim Pool. By the way, you guys know Tim Pool. I've had him on the show a bunch. I would say he's on the short list of people that I can call journalists without putting quotes around the word journalist. Um, and I've got the tweets over here. Do, we have, do I have the tweets? 
Do I have the tweets from Tim? Oop, I don't think I have the tweets from Tim. Where'd the tweets go? Oh, I do have them here. Got a lot of papers here today. We're a very professional organization. Uh, so the two tweets from Tim. Uh, YouTube has clarified to me, you can still say Trump actually won the election. You can still claim that the election was stolen from Trump. You must meet two conditions for a video to be removed. You must claim widespread fraud or error. Okay, we just addressed that. And say it made Trump lose. So I can say right now there is widespread fraud or error but I just can't say that that is why Trump lost. Apparently, according to Tim Pool, he's, he's pretty solid. Uh, he says, uh, you can still say there is evidence of widespread fraud. So I will say that. There appears to be evidence of widespread fraud. There are thousands of affidavits signed by people who were election regulators. Uh, you can still say Trump actually won. You cannot combine the two. What strange times we live in. So yes, folks, we do live in strange times. And for those of you that wanted the government to do something about this. They had all their hearings and they were, they were basically just theater. And this was, a, this was a very tough one, as I've mentioned to you guys many times, for the more libertarian-minded people, what do you do? Uh, I would say at this point, at this unique part in history, if the government, which is only designed to protect our rights, meaning protect our right to free speech, protect our right uh, to assembly, which we kind of don't have anymore, but protect those things enshrined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. If the government can't do that or refuses to do that because there are these superstructures, these giant technological corporations that exist above the government, well then in essence, what the hell is the government for? If you live in Los Angeles, the government won't even arrest you if you're trespassing and, and literally soliciting prostitution on someone else's property and then you resist arrest. Our new, uh, our new DA here in Los Angeles, Gascon, who was the former DA of San Francisco and ruined that place, backed by Bernie, uh, he's now in charge of LA and, and they're not gonna arrest you. You can literally trespass onto someone's property, you can solicit prostitution, and if you do those things and resist arrest when they come for you, they will do nothing. They will not prosecute the case. We are in dystopia, ladies and gentlemen. We are in dystopia. Um, anyway, there's obviously gonna be more about this and I will keep talking about what is happening with these cases and, and we'll see if they come for me. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I just gonna be quiet because the big tech overlords deem me to be quiet? There are court cases, okay? And let's talk about those court cases right now because 17 states have now filed a brief supporting the great state of Texas to delay the presidential elector appointment. So I've got a couple quotes here from Fox News. So Missouri led a group of 17 states that Wednesday, so this is yesterday, Wednesday afternoon, filed a brief with the Supreme Court supporting the Texas lawsuit aimed at delaying the appointment of presidential electors from Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So 17 other states have now joined that lawsuit that Texas brought about those for states. It goes on to say, the brief mirrors the argument of the Texas suit in saying that the states acted unconstitutionally when either their judiciaries or executive branches changed their election laws. The Texas suit and the states that support it say that only state legislatures may set laws regarding how states appoint their presidential electors. Okay, so these are things that are happening right now. So if it comes out, through any of these court cases, if it comes out that in any of these court cases that, uh, that votes were changed or that something happened with Dominion or that there was any malfeasance or weirdness, 
well, A, we should know about that. Wouldn't you want to know about that? I think across the aisle, we, we would all want fair, free and fair elections. I'm actually not so sure about that, but I think most people want free and fair elections, not just to, not something that's just rigged so that they get what they want. But in essence, we now have 17 states uh, that are on board this thing, so including Texas, now you've got, you've got 18 states, okay? And we are entering a very weird time. We are entering a very weird time. And as I said last week, you know, my feeling is that regardless of what the truth here is at the moment, regardless of what the truth is about election fraud or was it, was it done absolutely perfectly? I mean, the fact that YouTube doesn't want you to talk about it, mainstream is ignoring it. If anything, that in and of itself makes it seem like it's more legit, right? Like if every day the mainstream media was covering it and saying, oh, we had, these, we had these hearings today and these regular citizens put their butts on the line to say these things, but they're all, they're all crazy people or something like that. Well, if you guys were covering it, well, then it wouldn't seem so weird. But the more they say, oh, don't look over there, the more that the average person, because they've shot their load already, right? They've, they've well, I'm trying to be cleaner this week. They've uh, busted their nut. Uh, wait, that didn't work either. They've, you, you get what I'm saying, people. They've, they've done such a poor job of, of doing what they're supposed to do that the more they ignore something at this point, the more legit it seems. That, that seems to be what's happening here. And uh, this ain't going away. I'm gonna keep talking about it. And again, as I've said from day one, from day one, if all of it gets through the courts, look, the Supreme Court will either take this case or not now. From what I understand, it's on the docket at the Supreme Court. That does not mean they have to take the case. Now that 18 states are in, it does seem like there's gonna be a certain amount of pressure for them to do it. But, but the question is this, regardless of what is actually true here, my feeling is that Trump basically has more support now than he did before the election because you've got basically all of the people who supported him. And I've, I've found very few people that don't think something weird happened, just something weird, right? And then you've got all of these other people who are now seeing endless lockdowns, lives being destroyed. And you know, I went to the, to the rally in Los Angeles to open up the restaurants a couple of days ago, and most of the people there, they're not Republicans. They're not Trump supporters in a traditional sense. They're people that just wanna live, and they're suddenly going, oh, it's, it's the Democrats that are trying to destroy our lives. And then what the next logical step is from that in an odd, unfortunate way is, oh, well, I guess, I guess Trump's better than that. I don't even mean that in an unfortunate way. I mean it in like, it's just a strange political reality that we have. It's like, oh, the Democrats are horrible. So here, here's the other guy. Maybe I should look at that. So I sense he has a little more support than he did before. Uh, but speaking of support, if you want to support a healthy lifestyle, I want you to look at a new protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, people. I've been talking to you about Built Bars and they are just the brand for you. Built Bars are super tasty and come in 18 amazing flavors. My favorite is the cookies and cream, which I've got right here. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, including both nut and nut-free flavors and are soft and easy to chew. With the holidays just around the corner, it's easy to slip up, which is why Built Bars are the perfect alternative to pie for the health-conscious guy. I can actually lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. You guys can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code RUBEN and you'll get 20% off your first order. Use promo code RUBEN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Good for bars, Built Go, or Built Boost. And now back to me. All right. Here's a doozy for you. Let's talk about that COVID thing again because uh, this, this story is, is quite curious. Uh, Cornell University, you know Cornell University, it's in upstate New York. I went to SUNY Binghamton, State University of New York at Binghamton. It's the, it's the public school that everyone said was the Cornell of the public 
school education, of the public school system. It was about 45 minutes from, uh, from Cornell. I had some friends that, that went to Cornell. Uh, I know a lot of people that have been to Cornell. I visited Cornell a few times. At one time, I don't know if this is still true, at one time it was the suicide capital of the world in terms of colleges because they've got these gorges, uh, just these giant cavernous gorges that people would just jump off the bridges. Uh, they used to say Ithaca, which is where Cornell is. Ithaca is gorges instead of Ithaca is gorgeous, get it? Uh, well, anyway, Cornell University, which is you know an Ivy League school, I, I think it's a, a still a respected university, at least in some circles where universities are still respected. Uh, they've decided that there's going to be an exemption for flu vaccines if you're a person of color. Now, before I read the quotes, let me just uh, do that again. There's gonna be an exemption for flu vaccine if you're a person of color. Now, I thought the flu vaccine was good. I, I thought we don't want COVID, and if anything, in the world of social justice, you would wanna get the vaccine to the people who need it most, in which case they would tell you this is people of color, they would tell you this is downtrodden people, uh, people who've been oppressed, systemically oppressed, right? So wouldn't you wanna get them the vaccine first? If the vaccine is good, don't you want to do good things for these people? I thought that's what the whole thing was, but you know me, I'm a simple guy. Uh, here's a quote from Campus Reform. Students at Cornell University can use their status as a person of color to be exempt from the university's flu vaccine requirement. Now again, this seems, this seems odd to me. I, I thought we like the vaccine. I thought that 95% of the people will be, uh, will be immune after the vaccine, even though this disease in the first place, this virus in the first place has a 99% recovery rate. But you would imagine that if a group of people were marginalized and then the government was coming in and saying, we can vaccinate you, that, that we could get you to the front of the line. So I'm still very, very confused. So let's go to a quote directly from Cornell University itself. We recognize that due to longstanding systemic racism and health inequities in this country, individuals from some marginalized communities may have concerns about needing to agree to such requirements. For example, historically, the bodies of black, indigenous, and other people of color have been mistreated and used by people in power, sometimes for profit or medical gain. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, okay, I think I made my point, that if this thing is supposedly good and we're trying to help you know, marginalized uh, groups that you'd think they'd want it first, but the rest of this, what, what Cornell in essence is saying is there is, oh, if there's a problem with this thing, we kind of don't want to test it out on black people first or indigenous people first because there could be an issue and we wouldn't want them to suffer from it first. Hey, Whitey, Whitey, can you uh, get, up, get up in line for this thing? We don't, we don't, we've rushed it through. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen. So uh, white people, that'll, that'll be, instead of reparations, could you guys just take this first and we'll see what happens? Would that, would that be better? The level of stupidity here, and this is what social justice does with everything. Social justice takes something that is supposed to be good, right? Supposed to be good, in this case, vaccinations. By the way, I'm not taking the vaccination. They, they can try to vaccinate me, I, I'm not taking it. Um, but uh, because I'm not taking a vaccine that has a, you know, for a, for a virus with a 99% recovery rate as a relatively young, healthy person. Like, I just see no reason to do that but I would welcome anyone that wants to take it to take it. I believe in personal choice. I know that's a, that's a crazy radical position these days. Um, but this is what social justice does with everything. None of this really makes sense. If they will tell us on one hand that, that black and brown and indigenous communities are harmed more by, by COVID, 
Then they will tell you, okay, we've got a vaccination for COVID, but we're not gonna give it to them because of some sort of historic systemic rate. None of it makes sense. This is, this is absolute drivel and nonsense, and our universities have been completely corrupted by nonsensical lunacy. All right, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, Gavin Newsom, you know Gavin Newsom? He's our horrific uh, ma- uh, governor. I almost said mayor, that's you, Eric Garcetti. He's our horrific governor here in the People's Republic of California. Uh, well, his health secretary uh, was on a Zoom call chatting and he actually admitted the thing that we all know. He admitted that shutting down outdoor dining in California has nothing to do with public safety. Yeah, nothing to do with public safety. Uh, Don't take my word for it though. Uh, Let's listen to him himself. They're going to be the tools that help us get this under control. So the decision to include among other sectors outdoor dining and limiting that, turning to restaurants to deliver and provide takeout options instead, really has to do with the goal of trying to keep people at home, not a comment on the relative safety of outdoor dining. And we have worked hard with that industry to create safer ways for outdoor dining to happen, to keeping tables farther apart, to ensuring masking happens as much as possible, to create opportunities for air circulation to continue. All of those factors make sectors like outdoor dining lower risk. But right now, with the levels of transmission that we're seeing, we advise against anything that you can do in another way, in a lower risk way, that avoids you either leaving your home or uh, only leaving your home in a way that uh, doesn't expose you and cause you to mix with. God, these people are absolutely ridiculous. So to be clear, that's California Health Secretary Mark Galley. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, And that was on a Zoom conference for California Health and Human Services. Uh, I got two quotes there that he said that were, these are just incredible. He says, quote, the goal of trying to keep people at home, dot, 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 not the relative safety of outdoor dining meaning that they understand that the relative safety of outdoor dining is totally fine. We have no evidence, no evidence, but prove me wrong, people, no evidence that outdoor dining transmits COVID. There is no evidence of it. And let's not forget, we are not in New York. We are not in DC on the East Coast where it's the middle of the winter right now and it's 32 degrees outside. We are in Los Angeles. I am wearing shorts right now. I know I look very professional, but I'm wearing shorts, okay? I'm not even wearing socks. And we are in a constant, uh, beautiful weather section of the world. It's about 80 and sunny every single day. The idea that people can't sit outside is crazy and he knows it because he specifically says this is about trying to keep people at home which in essence is we're trying to destroy their lives, uh, not the relative safety of outdoor, outdoor dining, which they know the relative safety of outdoor dining is just fine. And oh, and he also said that they worked hard about outdoor dining and then they closed it, right? So they worked hard, they worked hard, they had no evidence that it didn't work. And then the woman whose uh, house I protested at last week, Sheila Cool, who's one of the, the county supervisors in Los Angeles, she was the deciding vote three to two to close down all of these restaurants, to close down all of these bars while it's beautiful outside, while people need to get out of their houses, while we need to converse and be social creatures that humans are. And then what did this creature, this awful, person do, she went to an outdoor restaurant to have her lasagna. 
these are bad people. These are bad people that want to control you. And I, I don't know how much more it's going to take to get people to wake up and, and see what's going on here. That, is, that, the, that does not mean that COVID is a hoax. It is not a hoax. It is a virus and it can affect people. And especially if you have another sickness, cancer, a, a compromised immune system, lung issues, all of those things. If you're a certain age, you have to take more precautions. But we are almost a year. I mean, we're rolling into a year of this. And if you think that these lockdowns now are, are about keeping us safe, I, I am much more concerned about being kept safe from these people than, than I am from COVID. Okay, and finally, this just broke. I'm just gonna do a minute or two on it. This just broke like in the last hour. Uh, remember that Middle East peace thing? That was that sort of dream. It was that distant star that people had been talking about for decades. We want peace in the Middle East. That's the place that can never have peace. It's geographically tough. There are these religious reasons we can't have peace, these cultural reasons we can't have peace. Well, in essence, Donald Trump has been president for four years. We have had no wars in the Middle East. We've scaled back out of, out of Syria. Uh, we, we know we're moving out of Afghanistan. That's a, that's a wider uh, conversation about what is happening sort of with our, with our military and, and we are not nation building and everything else. Um, but Israel has now signed a peace deal with Morocco. Now, I already have seen this on Twitter. People are going, well, they weren't directly at war, but they weren't at peace either. And the more that these countries exchange commerce and exchange ambassadors and say, hey, you have a right to exist, I have a right to exist, the more that peace actually can flourish. So the quote from AP News is, Israel and Morocco have agreed to normalize relations, President Donald Trump said Thursday, marking the fourth Arab-Israeli agreement in four months. As part of the deal announced near the end of Trump's term, the United States will recognize Morocco's claim over the disputed Western Sahara region. So that, that's a separate issue, which maybe I'll talk about on the show at a, at a different time, uh, but the idea that Israel and Morocco now in essence are at peace. You know, there's a lot of Moroccan Jews who were kicked out of Morocco and ended up living in Israel, okay? Uh, during the Arab-Israeli war in 48 and right before and right after. Like these, these countries in essence, although they haven't been bombing each other for the last 50 years, in essence, they've been at a sort of cold war. We've now seen four Arab countries sign these deals. This is good, this is good. Like, you don't even have to care about the Middle East. Like, I, I, don't, I actually don't think most people care about the Middle East. Most people just want America to sort of not police the world. That, that's my position, actually. I would just prefer America not to police the world. But in the cases where we can use our leverage to help countries have peace and then not get us caught in all of these crazy quagmires, it's like, that's good. And I suppose it's unfortunate for a lot of people with Trump derangement syndrome that, that the orange man is the one that is bringing peace to the Middle East. And, uh, and if you haven't seen it, Google it or YouTube it. There is an extraordinarily, it's actually hilarious. You can find a hilarious video of John Kerry, who is an absolute buffoon, who has accomplished nothing in all of his years. He was a failed presidential candidate. He's had a lot of Botox, or it's, it might be ketchup he injects in his face, because you know he, he married the, the Heinz woman. Uh, so he's got access to tremendous amounts of ketchup. But, but putting aside that, uh, there's a great video of him uh, as he was, uh, what was, was he Secretary of State? I think as he was Secretary of State in the Obama administration, can you fact that, fact that for me? Um, talking about how you cannot have peace with these other nations, you must have peace with the Palestinians first, and actually everything he says, and he's, no, 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 you must do it our way. Secretary of State, right? 
you must do it our way. And that's what he was doing as an outgoing guy under Obama. Yeah, it was Secretary of State. I fact-checked myself. You see what we do around here? I don't wait for big tech to do it for me. I don't wait for an activist working at Facebook. I fact-check myself. Um, but he literally, everything he says has been proven wrong. And four of these deals had come, has, have come. And by the way, if one of these deals had come, under President Obama, people would be giving him the double, the super Nobel Prize, right? He got the Nobel Prize for doing nothing. He'd, get, he'd be getting the super Nobel if this had happened. So, so here we are. So even in what potentially are Trump's last you know, five, six weeks, and, and again, I'm still not sure of that, and I will keep talking about it, no matter what YouTube wants me to do, uh, there, there are good things happening out there. There really are. So, so that's that. Uh, all right, guys, I got to jump. Got a, got a hectic day of interviews and a couple other things. Uh, quick reminder, guys, tomorrow, our DM, we're normally at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, but I'm pre-taping the Greg Gutfeld show. So we will be live at 1.15 Pacific, which is 4.15 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I just wanna say I'm thrilled to see that our, our numbers have absolutely been blowing up. I mean, just every, every week basically is a record-breaking week, and that's been happening for months. And, uh, and as I always say, I hope I'm making you feel a little saner, uh, but get out there, fight for what you believe in, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow, all right.